welcome to the latest Clarkson Wright and Jake's Employment Podcast, where in this edition we will be discussing the top tips for managing grievances. To give us her top tips, I have with me Seppi Naruzi, who is a solicitor within our employment department. So before we look at some of the key considerations, in a nutshell, Seppi, what is a grievance? Thanks, Chris. So um, a grievance, in essence, is a complaint about anything by an employee. Um, A grievance should explain what the issue is about, uh, include any evidence, if evidence is available, and how the employee would like the employer to resolve this. Um, Once a grievance is raised, a grievance meeting should be arranged as soon as possible, and ideally within five working days so that the grievance can be discussed. Um, There could also be a grievance investigation, depending on the complaints raised, and an employee will receive a grievance outcome once a decision is made. Okay, so let's have a look at some of your top tips. So top tip number one, um, should the grievance be formal or informal? So most grievance policies state that the matter should be dealt with informally first, However, sometimes it is more appropriate to go down the formal route. Um, Employers can be guided by their employees' wishes and by the nature of the grievance raised. However, they should bear in mind that an employee can raise a formal grievance at any time if if they feel that um, raising an issue informally hasn't worked or they do not wish to deal with it informally, so they want to invoke the formal grievance policy from the start or if it's a serious issue such as sexual harassment or whistleblowing. Um, just by way of example, if an employee has been offended by a comment made by another employee, sometimes just an informal word with the employee in question may resolve the matter sufficiently and clear up any issues, as sometimes misunderstandings do arise, as we all know. However, a grievance alleging discrimination or harassment should always be thoroughly investigated even if the employee is reluctant for it to be treated as a formal grievance. Um, Where an employee raises a formal grievance, though, their employee should follow their formal written procedure, which should include the steps outlined in the ACAS Code of Practice on disciplinary and grievance procedures as a minimum. Um, The procedure should be easily accessible, and it's also useful to take into account ACAS's supporting guide to discipline and grievances at work, Um, as well as their guide to workplace investigations. However, regardless of the size of the organisation, employers must follow a full and fair procedure and the procedure that's followed will be taken into account if the case ever reaches an employment tribunal. Okay, so let's let's take the topic of organisational size. Um, With smaller organisations, often they have limited resources. So should these types of companies instruct a third party to assist with any grievances they need to manage? So in terms of what small organisations should do, there really is no need to bring someone um, in, such as a HR consultant or investigator from the outside to externally. But sometimes it can be helpful to bring such a third party into the grievance procedure if the grievance is complex or tricky And it can actually mean that the employee has more faith in the process. Obviously, this will incur further costs. Um, Any employment tribunal would take into account the size and resources of the business organisation when assessing reasonableness. Um, However, it would also assist where there's no HR team and management time could be better utilised elsewhere in the business. Okay, so... um... 
not considering the, the size of the business, um, but business in general, what should all employers initially consider? Um, and what are the key things that they need to think about and prepare for? So some thought should be given at an early stage as to whether the grievance raises any issues under any other policies, such as whistleblowing, equal opportunities, anti-harassment or bullying, or stress at work policy, and whether any of these policies would be the more appropriate procedure. Um, also, you should consider if the employee has a disability, and whether, and if so, whether you should make any reasonable adjustments to the grievance process. Um, the grievance may raise issues that could potentially result in a disciplinary action against another employee uh, or employee. So some thought should be given to this, whether you need to go down the disciplinary route as well and what the workplace has done in similar situations before as employers must act fairly and consistently. Okay, so this area is quite interesting and from experience does come up um, a fair amount of the time. Um, there can often be a fine line between a complaint and a grievance. What happens then if an employee raises a complaint but does not want to formally proceed with a grievance? Um, when this happens, unfortunately, there isn't much that an employer can do about it. And if an employee prefers not to go down a formal route, unless it involves something very serious such as um, discrimination or harassment, which should be taken seriously and investigated, as I've mentioned. Um, employers should really talk to the person who raises the complaint or grievance and explain why it should be handled differently and try to agree on the uh, best approach. Um, but if you can't agree, it's up to the employer to decide the most appropriate way to handle it. Okay, so let's... Um... Let's look at the actual grievance meeting or meetings. Um, who do you think should take the role of the chairperson? So, as I explained at the beginning of the podcast, depending on the grievance, it may transpire that there will be need, there will need to be an investigation to get as much information as possible. And this would include any documents, witness statements and other evidence, such as even CCTV and any imaging. If the matter needs to be dealt with as a formal grievance, um, employers should consider who should hold the position of grievance chairperson. Um, they should ensure that anyone who's appointed into this role is suitable and appropriate, bearing in mind the seriousness or complexity of the grievance. Um, in a lot of cases, this will be the employee's line manager, but in particularly complex cases, involving, again, discrimination or whistleblowing complaints, it will generally be more appropriate to appoint a more senior manager and ideally someone who has the appropriate training or understanding of the complex issues. Um, it is important that the chairperson is also not involved in any way in the issues raised in the grievance so that there are no allegations of bias or unfairness at any stage. Uh, thank you. So we've looked at... Um some of the key areas, you know, if we looked at the initial considerations, how we need to prepare, we've looked at the role of the chairperson. But one of the most important things is is how the grievance is actually investigated because that will lead to, to the outcome. Um, what would be your advice, Epi, on, on how we should investigate the grievance? So employers should carry out what's known as a reasonable investigation 
and this should be done in a proportionate and sensitive manner. Um, they should they should avoid assuming anything about the grievance or the people involved, and they should also be sensitive to the circumstances and needs of the person the grievance is about, as well as the person who raised the grievance. Um, an investigation is effectively a fact-finding exercise to collect all the relevant information on the issues raised in the grievance, and a properly conducted investigation will enable an informed decision on agreements to be reached after a full consideration of all relevant facts. Um, any investigatory meetings to interview other witnesses should be held in private and contemporaneous notes should also be taken of the meeting. Um, as I explained, in addition to interviewing witnesses, physical and documentary evidence should also be gathered. This can include CCTV, computer or telephone records that could be relevant to the investigation. Um, just also point out that confidentiality is also very important throughout the grievance process and it should be on a need-to-know basis. Um, witnesses should be advised not to discuss the grievance or investigation with other employees or third parties. However, the employee who raised the grievance should be free to discuss the matter with their employee representative if they have one. Okay, so um, we've conducted um, the investigation. I think we're within the process where we um, have a decision to make. So what happens during the decision and also the appeal? So once a decision has been reached, the grievance meeting should ideally be reconvened and the action the employer decides to take to resolve the grievance should be explained to the employee. Um, whilst the decision must be given in writing anyway, it's usually best practice to first meet in person and then confirm the decision in writing, uh, sticking to any time limits outlined in the formal grievance procedure. Um, employees should also be advised of the fact that they have a right to appeal if they're not happy with the decision. And as far as possible, any appeal should be heard or chaired by someone who has not been previously involved in the earlier stages. Ideally, they should be more senior than the chair of the grievance meeting and, where possible, outside of their direct reporting line. Um, also, don't forget that the employees have a statutory right to be accompanied by a colleague or trade union representative at grievance meetings and any appeal meetings too. Brilliant. Okay. So, lastly, um, can you tell me what happens if an employee decides to raise a grievance during a disciplinary process? So if this happens, an employer can pause or temporarily suspend the disciplinary procedure and deal with the grievance first. Um, but depending on the circumstances, it could be more appropriate to deal with both at the same time if the grievance and disciplinary matters are uh, related and interlinked. Okay, brilliant. Um, all right, so let's, let's wrap this podcast up. Um, but before we do, are there any final points that you think are important to make. Thanks, Chris. I'd just like to say that not following a formal grievance procedure can affect morale at work as well as the outcome if the employee later decides to make a claim at an employment tribunal. Employees should therefore appreciate that grievance procedure can be very stressful for those involved and therefore it's important that employers consider the well-being and mental health of any employees involved as well. Clear, regular and confidential communication can help avoid any misunderstandings from arising, a drop in morale at work, 
stress or other mental health conditions and further action such as more grievances being raised and legal action at a later stage. Employers should also be reminded that if they fail to deal with a formal grievance properly, any compensation can be increased by up to 25% if an employee is successful at a subsequent tribunal claim. Um, Further, a complete failure to deal with a grievance can also amount to a breach of the implied term of trust and confidence that could result in a potential constructive dismissal claim. Okay, thank you, Seppi, um, for your insight and your top tips. Um, for successfully managing grievances. Um, That is all the time that we have for this particular podcast. To listen to some of our other employment podcasts or employment-related podcasts, um, just simply head over to the Clarkson Wright and Jake's website. Um, That's it from us. Thanks for listening, and we hope you join us on our next podcast, which we'll be recording very soon.